and welcome to episode 9 of the Shea Honey podcast, Inspiring Creative Career Change. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of hearing from Sydney-based Corinne Morrison, who talks to me about her journey from world-class gymnast to full-time artist. Welcome, Corinne, to the Shea Honey podcast, and thank you so much for agreeing to speak to me today all the way from Sydney, Australia. Can we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. It's such a pleasure. And can I just say how much I'm enjoying listening to your episodes as well? It's been really fascinating listening to everyone else's story as well. Um, But I am a Sydney-based contemporary painter. Um, I'm based in Sydney's Sutherland Shire. And I guess I have been in this role for quite some time now. However, as we roll on with the story, I'm sure that we'll be able to get into some background as to how that has all evolved. I am also a mother, a fiance. Um, and yeah, I think I think for the most part, I'm really grateful for for what I get to do full time. So I am currently sitting in my studio with yeah. blank panels behind me. Um, but yeah, I am in here full time, which is really exciting. Great, thank you. So talk to us about your original career, um, what that was and how you got into that. Yeah, absolutely. So from a really, really young age, um, I was an acrobatic gymnast and I guess that is where my story really begins um, because that really was uh, quite an upbringing for me in many ways that gymnastics career became my identity um I competed for Australia a couple of times although it feels like an absolute lifetime ago (laughs) um but naturally when you are a high level gymnast often you move into a coaching role automatically that seems to be what happens to a lot of gymnasts And uh, just like many gymnasts, I did end up uh, getting into that coaching role. And I started coaching when I was about 14 years old. Wow. (laughs) And I fast realized that my coaching was going to allow me time away from school. So (laughs) I very, very cleverly um, decided to do a traineeship Um, in what was year 10 of school, 10, 11, and 12, which meant that I didn't have to do as many subjects as anyone else. (laughs) Um, So I was basically coaching as part of my school curriculum. Um, And yeah, so I guess my career really took off from there and not only coached at a really high level, but also became a judge and um, basically did every part of that sport for the absolute love of it. Um, I can honestly say that it was uh, an incredible joy to be able to take the skills that I had learned and um, impart them on my students. And some of those students I taught from when they were two years old up until they were like 15, Mm -hmm. 16 years old. So It was a real blessing being able to watch these um, basically like the early part of an upbringing of a child Um, and considering they're in the gym so much, you have quite 
a big impact on them. You're not only their coach, you're their um, you're their mentor, you're their hairdresser, you're their psychologist, <laughs> you're their health uh, expert, you're their mother at times when they don't mis- listen to their parents. Like, so it was a very, very big role um, and it certainly took a toll over time. It certainly took a toll over time, but I loved every second of it. Sounds like a very intense um career actually and it sounds like Mm. intense not just because of what you were doing but also because of the young age that you started um doing it I guess guess it was a um a way of living as as well as a a, a career it sounds that way and when sorry every aspect sorry yeah yeah every aspect of my life for um for a really really long time which is why I say that it really did become my identity yes um and yeah and I coached all the way through high school and then continued on even when I went to university um, to get into my art career yeah so you mentioned your art career when and how did you make that shift um into art Mm -hmm. um talk to us about how that happened well I guess creativity was kind of an undercurrent of everything that I did I've always been a really creative person um art was something that I always did alongside um, my coaching even from a really young age and when I was in year 12 in high school I had fantastic teachers that really really supported um my choice to go down that path and in actual fact I did an extension art course um, while I was in high school which was basically an extension on my HSC and the reason I did that was to try and get into national art school which is where I ended up applying straight out of high school so straight out of high school uh, I went into university and did my three years uh, at national art school and did my bachelor of fine art uh, which was incredible and that was it was it was a full 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 time course so it was 5 days all day and then i was coaching in the night time um so it was a really busy period of my life but again i i loved every second of it i can honestly say that i've never done anything that i haven't 100% enjoyed um and i'm sure that's a, not a story that many people can mm, say, but yeah. I've have been really blessed in that regard to really enjoy all portions of what I've I've done as a career, um, and yeah, moved through National Art School and graduated in oh, let me think now, twenty twelve I graduated, okay. and then straight out of National Art School, it's with art, it's a very interesting thing because you you get your graduation certificate and then they're like, go be an artist. (laughs) And (laughs) as with with many creative paths, there's not really a step-by-step process. So for for me, I was quite burnt out after NAS. And in many ways, there was quite a number of things that I had set out to do that I felt like I hadn't accomplished there. Um, purely out of being young and being a little bit scared 
to step out of my comfort zone. What and was so some I of probably those... held myself. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, um, what were some of those things that you felt like you you hadn't accomplished at that point? Yeah. So uh, originally I went to national art school to do painting. Okay. Um, and you obviously do a very large portion of that within your first year, but then moving into third year, you pick your majors. Yeah. And I was just surrounded by all of these people that I thought were already like so successful in their own right. They're already having exhibitions. And I was there and I was like, I want someone to teach me how to paint properly. Yeah. And I would have gotten that if I had stayed the path, but I I went the path of least resistance uh-huh. and I went into uh, photography because that's something that I had previously done in that extension course. So I was familiar with the darkroom and familiar with the educators there and the lecturers. And I was good at photography. So I thought, I'll just do that because that'll be easier than stepping out of my comfort zone. (laughs) And I can honestly say that I got to the end of third year and I walked out of those doors and I don't think I've ever been so disappointed in myself. It was heart-wrenching. Right. I was proud of what I'd accomplished, but I was absolutely devastated that I didn't do what I'd set out to do. Okay. And so from that day forward, I promised myself that I would never not paint again. And I set up a studio at that time was in my parents' house yeah. in a spare bedroom. Yeah. And I said to them, if I clean out this toy room, can I have it as my studio? And they're like, yeah, sure, go for it. And... um my parents have always been incredibly supportive of um, passion first um, yeah. way of thinking. And at no point did they ever say, oh, no, you can't make money out of that or anything like that. It's yeah. like, that's what makes you happy. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah. You'll find a way to make money out of your passion. Mm. So that that was fantastic. And I just got to work. Mm. Um, and so it took me quite a transition to get out of that um, university mindset because in many ways it um, it can box you into a certain way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I had to backtrack a little bit and think about, well, what type of artist do I want to be? What do I want to get out of art? And I painted for a good year um, and started producing work, started getting into little group exhibitions here and there. And yeah. Um, Eventually, I took a plunge and um, applied to have a solo exhibition um, in Sydney at the time at a gallery that was once called Hunters Hill Art Gallery. Yeah, and I guess in many ways that was the first that was the first thing that I really put my hand up to say like, I'm an artist. I'm going to do this. Yeah. All whilst at the same time I was coaching. Yeah. Um, so I was still full time coaching. Um, for a period of time, I went back to training as well. Okay. So that was still very much a part of my life. And then on the side, I had this little art thing going on. And so I did that solo show and that was so incredibly life-changing for me because I sold some work. I sold 12 paintings and I had this guy turn up in a red Ferrari, how cliche, <laughs> didn't know him from a bar of soap, but he was a local art collector and he walked in and he bought my main piece 
and I'm still in contact with that art collector today. That's wonderful. And he was um, a South African guy who had been collecting art for a long time and he wasn't scared to tell me what was good and what he didn't like either, yeah. which was great. <laughs> yeah. So it was really valuable feedback that I got. And I guess I left that solo show on a complete high, knowing that all of these little breadcrumb decisions that I've been making had paid off and I now had something to say, you can do this. Yeah. And I guess that was like rocket fuel for me. From there, I just kept painting. Soon after that, I opened my own gallery. Wow. Um, which was a community-run art gallery where we didn't charge to rent the space. So I would basically yeah. um, give my time for free to help other local artists. And that gallery ran for three years. And unfortunately, we chose to close it down through COVID. Yeah. Um, but again, it was for the best reason because okay. the moment I made that decision to do that, um, everything kind of snowballed from there and picked up one gallery, two gallery, three galleries, an art dealer. And yeah, so it's just picked up a lot of momentum since I really took the plunge and went all in, I guess yeah. you could say. And was there a particular moment, because obviously you've mentioned that you were you were coaching alongside doing a lot of this this work. Was there a mm. particular moment where, because I, am I right in saying that now you don't do any coaching at all? You're just full-time no. art. No. So when yeah. did that sort of switch into full-time working mm. as an artist happen and, and how? Yeah, so at age 27, um, I so in 2018, I yeah. fell pregnant. Okay. And that was that was at the time that I was still coaching. So in my head at that time, I kind of had no intention of going full full time in mm. the studio. Like it yeah. just didn't really seem like um I guess I guess it just wasn't as much of a focus because I was enjoying everything that I yeah. was doing. Yeah. And I, I went through my whole pregnancy still coaching, still doing handstands, still doing cartwheels up to about 36 <laughs> weeks, I think I was. And um, in the coaching industry, it's quite hard to get your accreditation up at a high level, which made it very difficult for me to find a replacement, particularly when I had been coaching some of these kids for um, over 10 years. Some yeah. of them I'd been coaching for 14 years. Gosh. And um, not only was there very strong relationships built with um, my program and the parents that were a part of my program. I had trained up so many coaches that naturally with coaching, often you get trained up at a young age and then you hit university age and a lot of coaches then leave coaching and go on to do their career. Right. I was one of the ones that stuck out the coaching because – Look, in many ways, it's not a very high-paying job. You really do it for the love of it. Mm. Um, and I was there for the kids, and those kids were my kids. Mm. They, I would, I spent, I put one hundred and ten percent effort into those kids, and um, in some ways, their families as well, um, yeah. and their upbringing. So it was a joy to do that. And when my boss at the time kind of 
came to me at this very late stage of being pregnant, still not being able to find a replacement. In my head, I'm like, I can do it all. I'll be fine. I'll just, I'll have the baby and I'll bring her back and I'll just have a little bit of time off. Like, yeah, this is how my head was operating. And my coach had to sit me down and she really, she looked at me and I said, don't look at me like that. (laughs) I said, I can do this. And she goes, Corinne, you've spent your entire life giving 110% of your energy to these kids and you are not going to have 110% of your energy. That energy is going to have to go to your child. And I think I think logically I knew that, yeah. but subconsciously it hadn't sunk in. I think in many ways I was scared of becoming a mother and yeah, trying to avoid really thinking about what it was going to be like. And um, I had a really hard conversation with the parents and the kids and there was a lot of tears and the kids were devastated to find out that um, I may not be coming back and I basically had to split my program up and hand my kids over to a different club, yeah. um, which is pretty unheard of. Like it's yeah. not something that is done very often, but it's what I had to do. Um And to this day, some of those kids are still competing, which is fantastic. And um, a lot of them still keep in touch with me. That's nice. Um, But then, yeah, I had my beautiful daughter, Harlan, in 2019, early 2019. And I guess in many ways it was um, a complete rebirthing for me. Uh, At the time, I didn't realise it was going to be the case. Um, But I suffered horrible postpartum depression Um, and I think that was partly to do with my identity being so attached to my previous career yeah and then so I wasn't just having a baby I was also having a baby and then I wasn't a gymnastics coach anymore so I was really I I was really not prepared for how I was going to feel about that um And it's one of the many, many reasons that I have up until now since having her, I have slowed down and Mm. I can honestly say that I am quite a different person. Um, Prior prior to Harlan, I was a cup overflowing person, not a cup half full or half empty. My cup was overflowing and I was like, hand me another cup. I want it all. I want to do everything. I don't want to say no to anything. And that served me well for that period of time in my life. It served me really well. Mm. And my gymnastics gave me this unwavering grit to Mm. set a goal and work my ass off to go and get it. Like I was not scared of hard work. I was not scared of setting goals. And I knew damn well that if I said I was going to do something, I was going to do it and I was going to do it better than what I had intended on doing it. In some ways, that attitude is still there. But now I recognize that in many ways that part of me was not a positive aspect um, of my personality. Um, And it was a part of me that led me to burnout. Every single year, every single year, I was burnt out. And so Harlem was such a blessing because for the first time in my life, I had to stop. Um, 
and it was terrifying. It was so terrifying to stop for the first time in my life. And I think, again, that's probably why I suffered with the postpartum so yeah. so horribly. Yeah. Um, I mean, from the outside, I think everyone was probably looking at me. I was running the gallery still at the same time. Um, and I think everyone was probably just watching me go through my normal motions. Mm. But on the inside, I was really suffering, yeah. really, really suffering. Um, and it's taken probably, it's taken, it's taken three, four years yeah. to, to actually um, admit that that was the case. Were you um, able to get some support and help during that time yeah you did yeah yeah during the time like this is the one thing I will say I don't think I would have gotten through anything without my really supportive um parents they've been phenomenal throughout the entire thing um my fiance I met through COVID and he is just such a rock for me um and I I am 100% surrounded by people that have done nothing um, but support support my passions mm-hmm. and um, support me as a person. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I'm not sure that I would have gotten through the last, um, you know, the last yeah, four yeah. years without my art because that was always, um, that was always a saviour for me. It was like my oxygen tank at times. Yeah. But when I, I think when I moved through that really hard phase, I then, in many ways I had to look at my art again and go, well, if I'm not making art to escape, why am I creating? What what do I want out of my art? And my art changed. Yeah. My art changed so much and my career picked up so much. So this is why you can never separate your life from oh. your art. Like it is always intertwined always intertwined yeah no I think you're right and I think anything creative as much as we might sometimes try to separate those things out it always just keep they keep mm. coming back to and and um intertwining themselves I think is probably as yeah. you just said um the yeah. way to think about it um can you talk to us about some of the transferable skills that you yeah. um feel that you you've brought over from your um gymnastics coaching career over to being an artist yeah for sure um I think look communication is always a really important one um but the one thing that I learned really early about the gym coaching is that you don't just get respect you earn respect and to just because you're in a role doesn't mean that you're a leader you have to earn that and so through every aspect of everything that I've done, through my art gallery, even through my own art, as much as it's just me standing in the studio, I am dealing with my galleries um, who work incredibly hard um, for me and allow me the time to just be in here doing what I do. That takes relationships and respect. Mm. And, you know, I knew that as a gymnastics coach, the way that I turned up and treated the kids was the way that I was going to get treated back. Yeah. And I had an incredible relationship um, with the kids and the parents in my program. And I think strong relationships is something that I've made a complete priority 
um, in my life in all aspects. Um, like, for example, like my my gallery, um, they have openings, you know, twice a month for other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be my solo show, but it's someone else's. And nine times out of ten, I go and support that artist. Yes. Um, because I don't think that the creative industry is something that you can just purely hide away in your studio and not give back to the industry as well. Um, It's also why I have my podcast because I think communicating and building connections and allowing people to see the vulnerable side of you and the, the reality of the hard things as well. Because I think in so many cases, people don't, well, for the creative industry, I'll speak about the creative industry. I think from the outside, people that are not a part of the creative industry or the fine art industry, um, I think they have a different view to what it is actually like. Mm -hmm. Like I think sometimes people think that an artist's life is a little bit poetic. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, just float around painting pretty pictures Mm -hmm. And it's one of my biggest missions is to kind of remove that art wank and talk about the really hard things, the really hard parts about choosing a path that is not something that many people choose to do for that reason, Mm. that it's, that it's cutthroat and it's difficult and you are hanging your soul up for the world to see and analyze. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that's very true um and I think you're right people who are not part of that world maybe don't see those in- intricacies the the challenges and the the day-to-day it's the the day-to-day organization as well I guess because yeah. you know you're a mum you're an artist you mm. um, are involved in the running of galleries and things like that you must have to plan your time pretty carefully mm. Um, well, I guess that's another skill actually yeah. that I moved over, like because the lesson plans and things like that when it came to gym were quite rigid, yet to track everything. And for me, I guess system wise, when I was running the gallery, I had systems doing everything for mm-hmm. me because I was one person probably doing the job of five people. Yeah. Um, so I had to figure out how to make the system work for me so that it could do the jobs of all those other people. So I guess that's something that I've definitely brought across as well. But, you know, when you have a kid, you got to learn to surrender. Like, and this is, I guess, what, what has been the hardest transition to kind of make is that I'm so used to being on my time, my schedule, my goal. Mm. And you know, your whole world revolves around you when you don't have a kid. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for the last four years, I've had to practice going with the flow and surrendering. And even though I've got a solo show coming up, you know, I've still got to, I've still got to put her first. I've still got a family. I've got to prioritize my fiance. And I have to figure out how the hell I'm going to get all this work done (laughs) in time with only two hands. Yeah. But that's all part of the fun of it. And yeah. I guess like I look at my daughter, for example, and change and new things to a child is like one hell of an adventure. Like you say to her, oh, we're going to do something different today. 
she doesn't go, oh my God, how am I going to get that done? Let me make a list. <laughs> she just goes, wow, this yeah. is going to be great. Let's go on an adventure. Yeah. And so I guess in many ways I look at what she does now and I go, yep, let's go on the adventure. Yeah. How am I going to get all this work done? I don't know. Let's go on the adventure. Well, that's lovely because <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking at her and you're learning from her way, the child's, the childlike way of doing things. But I think that's a really good lesson to all of us, actually, that, um, that it's so important to, to, take a step back and look at that kind of way of, of approaching life isn't it and and feed that into your own yeah. if you can um, absolutely and I think as well one other thing that I want to say is that like if you if you look at a child and their their natural state is this state of awe constantly in awe they're yes. in awe of everything and I am always taken back by how we lose that Yes. And it's like, is that not the goal of life is to remain young in in that state of awe forever? I guess that's in many ways why I'm an artist. Yes, because yeah. I want to be in that state yeah. of awe constantly. <laughs> but it's just something to think about, I guess. Definitely. Um you've you've talked talked quite a bit about your family and the support that they've given to you. Um and it's clear that they did support, they have supported you um, throughout all your, your career um, journey so far. Um, but you you mentioned in your notes to me that that was something that you quite like to talk about a little bit more. You said that no at no point um, did your parents ever say to you, you've got to go and get a real job now. <laughs> yeah. And and I was really interested in, in what you'd written about that. So perhaps you could just talk to us a little bit more about how important you feel um, that support that you've been given by your family is and how you want to maybe try and um, instill those same values um, with your own daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, my so where I'm sitting at the moment, so my studio is actually above a paint factory, okay. which is my family's um, business. So they've, they're one of the first families of like house paint in Australia. Yeah. And so I've watched my entire family um, quite literally work their asses off their entire um, lives. Uh, I think my dad in his 38 or so years of working for the family business has taken one sick day. Um, So my growing up, my family, even when I was traveling overseas to train and compete overseas, they they put so much energy into allowing both my sister and I to do what what our hearts wanted us to do. Mm. And it meant that they really had to work. Like they were often in the shop here six days a week. And that that hard work never went unnoticed for mm. me. And so I, that was like a value that was just naturally instilled like this, um, this, if you're going to do something, do it. Don't just half do it. Yeah. Do it. And my pop, when I was in year 10, I remember this conversation that he had with me. It was at the time where everyone was kind of picking their electives and doing all of that. And I can I can quite honestly put my hand up and say that I was not a good school student. Um, I hated every second of school. Mm. Um, it was not a nice place. 
I got bullied a lot. Right. Um, not because I was shy, but because um, I always had my gym and I was always going yeah. places. I was going to the physio. I was training in the morning. I was training in the afternoon. And quite literally, I, at the time, I just didn't have time for many friends. Mm. It sounds terrible now. And I regret that now. Um, but at the time when everyone was picking their subjects, for me, it was just not even on my radar. I was like, well, I'm competing at Worlds here and then I've got my art. I just want to do art. That's yeah. the decision made. I don't need to go to a careers counsellor. <laughs> and I used to go to school. I used to get the keys to the art room and I used to not turn up to maths or mm -hmm. any other class that I didn't want to attend. <laughs> yeah, You wouldn't be able to get away with that nowadays. But at the time, I think the art teachers were against the maths teachers and <laughs> I got the key to the art room. So that's where I stayed. And um, when my pop sat me down, he said, well, what are you going to pick for your subjects? I go, what do you mean? I don't want to pick subjects. I said, I, I've figured out this coaching thing. This coaching thing's going to give me X number of units. It means I've got 26 free periods across a fortnight. And he's like, oh, well, that's good. Good on you. What else are you going to do? I said, just art. And he's like, okay. He goes, what do you want to do after school? I said, I want to get into National Art School. He said, well, what do you need to get into that? I said, I just need to do English and art and pass a really big drawing exam. And he's like, all right, we'll just focus on that. Yeah. He didn't say it in those words. In actual fact, he said, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what makes you happy, that's what you should do. And so I thought, hell yes, that's what I'm going to focus on. Yeah. And that is quite literally all I focused on. I can never ever remember feeling stressed about my end of year exams yeah. because I only had two yeah. I had English and art um and while all the other kids around me were stressing their little brains out about getting their double twinkie university um acceptance I was just happy mm. I was just happy mm. and I look at that and I think, do you know what? I would not do anything differently. Mm. I would still not turn up to classes. Yeah. Uh, I would still pick what made me happy. And I would still challenge the teachers whenever I got the chance. <laughs> and when I look at my daughter, I think, okay, there might be some things that she should do differently. Um, but in way of choosing happiness over um, system, I say choose happiness every yeah. time because yeah. I think that the universe has a way of um, delivering you exactly what you need yeah. if you tell it what you want. And that has just been the reality of my life time and time and time again. I make a choice to step out of my comfort zone and like I just make a choice. It's yeah. in concrete. It's not a, it's not a, I'm, I'm going to half do it. I'm going to see what happens. It's a, that decision's done. Yeah. And that's it. I don't think about it anymore. This decision's made. And um, inevitably things tend to fall into place. Sometimes yeah. it takes a while. And I've always had my parents there and my family, they're just, cheering me on every step of the way yeah. and my dad um <laughs> my dad is a man of 
um, few words. And sometimes he has <laughs> he has a way of saying the wrong thing, but we all know <laughs> what my dad is like. And he says it out of love, but he just he's a little awkward when it comes to um, the creative side of things. Like he will look at my work and go, oh, um, what is it? <laughs> I'll be like, it's okay, Dad. It's not finished yet. <laughs> and so I think he has been quietly concerned his entire yeah. life but has always been like, yeah, go for yeah. it. And then after my last show, he came up and he said to me in the studio, he's awkwardly hovering like he does, and I said, yes, Dad, is there something you want to say? He's like, oh, I just I saw your last exhibition in the new gallery and you, I think you've, you've really made it, haven't you? And I was like, oh, thanks, Dad. That means a lot. I said, do you think I've really made it? He goes, yeah, you're doing really well. I said, well, thanks. I think so. I said, I've got a long way to go, Dad, but so. like, so That's really lovely. He's obviously um, just been kind of quietly supporting it all in the background and, and, and it's, you know it's coming to the fruition of 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 that is is starting well it's happening and has been happening for a while by the sounds of it but having that support is just it sounds like that's Uh, been a real grounding for you throughout your um your coaching and your art career Um, yeah 100 percent. and I just I think as well like when I look at a lot of people my age um friends that I have people that I've moved through life with um there's not many of them doing what they want to do. No. There's not many of them who are honestly happy. They've gone into jobs because of what other people have said yeah. or to please their parents or um, because the career advisor said you've got these skill sets and you'd be good at this. Yeah. And I think for a period of that t- of time that can work for people. Yeah. But I just I don't believe in... Um, in wasting life being unhappy and doing things that you like why why waste time doing something that you're not enjoying absolutely can I just finish with asking you one um last question which is if you could think of one piece of advice to give someone who was out there listening and thinking of either taking a big risk in something or making a career change what would that piece of advice be Mm, I would say that in order to, to make that transition, sometimes it's not as simple as just making a decision and cutting all cords and going and doing it. Like that's the reality of it. It does take time. But I think that internally what we decide inside can be a concrete decision. Mm. You can make a choice mm. that is I am only going to be here for x number of years and then I'm going to be doing this and I would say make that choice and then sit back and go well I'm really curious to see what's going to happen really really curious to see what this adventure is going to be like but hey I know it's going to be happening because I've made that decision Mm. really curious to see how things are going to start falling in place and slowly and slowly these little breadcrumbs start directing you in the right path. Mm. And for me, it has it has never really been a push, push, push. 
when it comes to this creative undercurrent. That was something that was always flowing for Mm -hmm. me. And it was as simple for me as choosing to step into that current. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that choice is actually the hardest part. Yeah, definitely. It's 100% the hardest part. And I think at times as well, the biggest barriers that hold us back are, you know, the things that are closest to us, like our kids, you know, um, how it's going to affect our families Mm -hmm. and all of that. And in many ways, you know, I still suffer mum guilt on a daily basis um, because I think to myself, you know, yeah, I could potentially have a different career that's bringing in more money or, Mm. or, or whatever. But would I do that over happiness? Definitely not. And every day I walk into the studio, I read the quote that's on my wall in that next space that says the greatest burden a child can bear is the unlived life of a parent. And I just, I look at that every day and I just think, you know what, she's going to grow up a little kid looking at her mom and going, my mom did something different. My mom stepped outside the box and I want her to be outside the box yeah as for as long as humanly possible forever <laughs> that, that that's that's a, a great quote and I think um that's a great quote to uh to leave our listeners with because uh Absolutely. I think that's a, a wonderful way of thinking about it um Corinne it's been such a pleasure to chat to you today um thank you for giving up your time um it's early evening in in Sydney and it's it's actually light now but it was it was dark when we started doing this here in London it was yeah. um, 7am when we started and it's pouring with rain and it's kind of blows my mind that we're um we're having this conversation um in such far away places from each other but it's really really lovely to talk to you so thank yeah. you uh for giving up your time and sharing your wisdom and your story um with the Shay Hani listeners um mm, thank you, thank so, you much. so much for having me such a pleasure that was Corinne Morrison talking to Hannah Ash Check out the show notes for links to Corinne's work and you can catch up on all previous episodes by heading to www.shayhoney.substack.com. Thank you for listening and I hope you'll join me for the next episode coming soon and of course featuring another inspirational woman.